You've attended council hearings in person. You've tuned in to our televised proceedings on Channel 13. Now, you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council with your host, Josh Gibson. Thank you, deep-voiced person with a funky backbeat. Indeed, this is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We're coming to you from the train track enclosed nerve center that's the headquarters of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment. It's also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television, so it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the Council. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as the Council's voice on social media, at Council of D.C., If you don't follow us already, get with the program. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even enjoyable way. You know if you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communications. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the Council does. We're demystifying our work and the people who do it. Remember, the D.C. Council's just like your workplace, except with the dais. On the show, we'll try to keep things light, offbeat, informal, and interesting. You'll learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. Now, listeners, we've nearly wrapped up our first and second rounds of interviews with council members. They're available on SoundCloud and iTunes. They're focused mainly on getting to know the council members, their backgrounds and biographies, successes and struggles. Now, in our third round, we're going to focus more on the people at the council, colleagues, co-workers, community leaders and the like. And a disclaimer, we shared the general questions in advance so the council members could prep if they chose to. And council members can always pass on a question if they want. So now, without any further ado, let me introduce our guest, Ward 3 Councilmember Mary Che. Hello. Thank you so much for being back. My pleasure. Ward 3 Councilmember back for your third interview. Mm -hmm. So this should be the charm. This This should be the the lucky interview. Or not. Or not. It could go either way. Um, Well, we'll try to make it a success. Uh, so the question we're starting off with uh, this round for council members is we want to hear a bit about a role model or two in your life, uh, hopefully someone that you know or knew, um, and someone maybe you didn't know, a famous person, a you know, fictional character. Mm-hmm. So uh, let us know about someone who's had an impact on you. Well, um, collectively, the most important people... Uh, who've been role models for me have been teachers over time. Um, Starting with a first grade nun I had in Catholic school um, who saw some little spark in me, I guess, and uh, took a particular interest in me uh, to the point where she was even giving me homework over the summer, which I dutifully did and couldn't wait to bring back to her. But she... um, she was really a, uh, an inspiration to me. She was a hard worker, and, and she showed such uh, care and empathy for her students that I, I always admired her for that. But there have been teachers along the way uh, who've, who've been uh, role models for me, and uh, I guess collectively I, I would have to thank all of them. Um, but, yes, so that, 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 that was probably the most uh, important set of people, you know, who I knew. Um, 
but I thought you had all also asked about some, um, perhaps a, you said famous person, historic person. Uh, to explain this to people who may be listening, uh, you have to understand a little bit of my um, keen history, uh, my interest in history, particularly the founding period, the colonial period, and uh, the people who started our government, um, and also the fact that I am a law professor and a lawyer. Uh, I admire uh, the—he no, wasn't the first chief justice, but the important uh, chief justice, uh, the early chief uh, uh Justice and other justices of, of that founding period, Joseph Story, who um, was on the court, probably the youngest uh, ever on the court, um, and John Marshall. John Marshall and Justice Story as his sort of younger cohort on the court, they laid the legal foundation for our government because you have to remember that when the Constitution was adopted, and it's written in very general terms, um, the first cases interpreting those terms really set the foundation for all that came after. And we have debates now, you know, uh, in our politics, but they had them way back then too. And the question was whether you're going to take this collection of, of states and make them into a national government. They would retain their power as states, but whether we could have a truly functioning an important national government. And John Marshall and Justice Story, in their opinions, created the foundation for that. Not to mention, and I say this to my students, if you read a John Marshall opinion and you don't come out with the conclusion that he reaches, then you've missed something. It is this uh, test of logic. Uh, it is inexorable that you get to where you're going at the end of his opinions. And I tell them, watch how he does what he does and think about how well he does it. And I'm always sort of extolling his um, his characteristics, uh, both as a, uh, a jurist, but also, you know, as a, uh, a philosopher and a thinker. In fact, just a story, by the way, just a story, uh, probably made more money with his royalties. He wrote so many books. Um, his three-volume set on the commentaries of the Constitution are still referred to today. So, uh, And he has commentaries on other areas of law as well. So these two people are my sort of heroes. Um, and I, I, would pick, I would pick them. Now, a couple of follow-ups. The first is, do you think the fact that you are a professor currently ties into the fact that teachers were your real-life role models? Do you think one follows from the other? I guess it does. I think it does. Um, I love teaching. I love teaching both in terms of, uh, you know, the content of what I'm doing, uh, explaining things to students, but also watching them grow and uh, being helpful to them, you know, as they try to find their way. Everybody needs, I think, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people need someone to help them see where they could go, uh, to be a mentor, uh, to, to, to expose them to possibilities. And that's what teachers do. We teach, you know, of course we teach, but it's that, that old expression, it's not an expression, but someone said it, you know, it, it's not, teaching is not about filling buckets, it's about lighting fires. And 
when you have, for example, students come back years later after they've been in your class and they tell you what they're doing or they tell you they've gone into this area of law and that you were the one who inspired them to do that, I mean, I mean, it could actually cause you to have tears in your eyes. Oh, I bet. Did, yeah. Did, do, you, do you think, uh, did you make a point of doing that, do you think, earlier in your life with the teachers who were role models to you? Well, you know, um, we're, we're talking about going way, way back. Um, I did keep up a little bit with uh, some of my high school teachers. Unfortunately, the, 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 the nun who was my first grade teacher, and I'm telling you, we're going way, way back. I'm a Medicare card holder, so people should understand the length of time that we're talking about. Um, I, I, I lost track of her after I left uh, elementary school. The, the good sister? Yeah. Okay, but we, we will give her from... From the great beyond, we'll yes, we'll nod, nod in her direction. What what was her name? In case her her, I'm sure there are probably a lot of sister such and such is out there. But we didn't refer to them with the last name. It was always sister. The first in, name. That's in, what I'm saying. Case, sister Linda. You know. Um, so. so anyway, in case the descendants of Sister Linda are out there, uh, yeah. she, she's appreciated. Yes. I'm getting a tear in my eye, and I'm unrelated to any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the, the, the question about, about Justice Marshall is, is, um, is interesting, because something I didn't realize reading uh, some D.C. history was that originally under home rule, the mayor's nominees were not subject to council approval. The council... Um, passed, my understanding at least, the council passed a law saying that the mayor's nominees faced council approval. And I believe the mayor vetoed it, and one of the first overrides of a veto was of legislation. And the only reason that there is council approval of mayoral nominees is because of that. And that's one of those early... People that, are feeling out their that, territory yeah, early on. Right, but but that's so much more contemporary. We're talking about the 1970s when we got home rule. Um, but, but, and, but it's still right. the early days no, of a no, system no, when, when everyone exactly. is, is with every, their uh, with the, I'm on radio, but I'm no, with my elbows. You exactly. Know. Every everything that you do becomes a precedent at that at that point. Mm-hmm. And there were uh, earlier chief justices before uh, John Marshall, but they didn't take the role quite seriously. He was the one who had the vision and the understanding to know, like any lawyers out there who listen to this, you know, the case of Marbury versus Madison. I mean, every law student knows that because that's the case that established in the courts uh, the, the power of judicial review. The courts, and ultimately the Supreme Court, can strike down any act of government, any act of government, if it conflicts with the federal constitution and declare it void and of no effect. And the only way you change that is if you amend the constitution or you get new justices. But that's extraordinarily powerful. John Marshall did that. Right. And it's it, it's fascinating because when you come into a new position, you're I would want to be looking at a rule book and know what I am and am not allowed to do, whereas it seems like to to, to go to the, the example that I was given from Home Rule, it's there's a little bit of what can you and can't you get away with within the boundaries of the law, because what right. in the early days you can get away with will be what everyone after you can get away with. Mm-hmm. And if you don't push out that elbow room early on... Stake no out one, your territory. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of that with the attorney general, with mm-hmm. the elected attorney general. Right. Exactly right. It, it's fascinating. And all three examples to see, mm-hmm. 
to, to see those early pioneers. Because even though we can wordsmith things and be very explicit and, and uh, specific, most of the things in the Constitution are broad-based. So it leaves room for interpretation. And this thing about judicial review, setting aside actions of other actors in the government if they're contrary to the Constitution, the key thing there, too, is that the Supreme Court is the final interpreter of what the Constitution requires. So it's not only that you have this power, but you have this power over these sort of broad-based clauses that you are the final interpreter of. It's pretty significant and has meant a lot to us over the the years. Absolutely. And one bit of of host uh, uh, prerogative, when I hear the name John Marshall, it makes me... uh, it gives me the shakes a tiny bit because I've been trying to find the replica Liberty Bell that used to be located in front so, of the Wilson building. Oh, uh-huh. And the last place it was seen was John Marshall Park oh. um, next to the Canadian Embassy. Well, I'll, before I'll it confess, went I do not know its whereabouts. Yes, I didn't. But if think I did, would. I wouldn't tell you because oh, it would be a secret. I know, but yeah. I. But anyway, so I have that negative association with, <laughs> well, with John Marshall. But I great, shouldn't. I he's should, a great man. I should give him great some space. Man. I'll give him some space. Um, so we're so anyway. So we're the role. The the theme of of this episode is people, and so now we're going to talk a bit of the people of the council, mm-hmm. and we're going to give you a chance if you want to to shout out um, some behind the scenes heroes at the council. Um, they can be heroes from your own staff. They can be the folks the day-to-day logistical staff for the council, support services. There's a lot of people that it takes to keep the council running. So there's a chance to, to shout out some folks there if you'd are, like to. There are a number of examples, I suppose, and also people who um, I would point to. But I want to qualify that by saying, you know, even if it's a, a former council member, uh, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and our, you know, flaws uh, and our good points. So uh, no one that I'm gonna mention is uniformly terrific and wonderful, but they have certain attributes that I would like to model. Um, And for example, David Catania, who's no longer on the council. David Catania was to me, the smartest uh, member of the council. And he was also the most prepared. When he would come in for a hearing, in fact, sometimes I would sort of smile, he would have a binder with all sorts of tabs and what, he would be so prepared so ready that I always, uh, I, I always said to myself, you know, there, that's a model to follow for preparedness. And also, he, he was just like so smart. Uh, so I admired him for that. Um, as, as an ANC commissioner, I testified before him when he had oversight uh-huh. over the ANCs, and I have to admit, he, he definitely spooked me because well, of that reputation and well, that yes, uh, and, you on know, the ballness. Yes, um, but it could be even so, you know, it could be a, a particular action. Um, Yvette Alexander used to be the council member from uh, Ward 7. And when I came forward with my Death with Dignity Act, which allows people to have uh, doctor's aid in dying if they only have six months to live, she was against that um, bill. And she was the head of the health committee. And so being the chair of the health committee, chairs have the power to deep six anything that they don't want. And uh, so we talked about it. And she said, you know, Mary, I'm against this. But I promise you, I will have a hearing and I will bring it forward and let everybody then can decide. And she never wavered from that, even though she was against it. She could have killed it straight away. And I always thought that that act of integrity 
was very impressive to me. And she kept her word. I, I think, you know, people should keep their word. They shouldn't make behind-the-scenes deals, and they shouldn't do all this other stuff. And that instance, um, I, I, I was grateful for it because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to get that bill through. And, she, and despite her opposition, she kept her word. Yeah, that's um, the, the D.C. chapter of Profiles in Courage. Yeah. To me, yeah. there's a spot there for, for Yvette Alexander, because uh-huh. that was an awesome thing she did. Yeah. Um, you know, and then th- there are heroes that, who are heroes every day. Uh, my um, legislative director, Nicole Rents, uh, works harder than anybody I know. In fact, I have to say to her, I said, Nicole, go home, go home. And, you know, she's a mother. She's In fact, she's about to deliver another baby, and I'm going to miss her for the time that she's out. Um desperately miss her, but uh, she's also the person on my staff who is the key person on my environmental and energy bills. And some, it could be the most arcane information about the electric grid or what, she knows it down to a T. And she's able with patience to educate me, uh, you know, as we proceed through some of the stuff. So not only is she a hard worker, but she is the expert. In fact, some of the major pieces of legislation I've put through really should have her name on it and not mine, because she was so uh, critical uh, for for the success of those bills. And then um, I'll mention someone who's probably unsung, but is very it's very meaningful to me. Um, my receptionist, Akima Benjamin, she sits there, you know, she directs traffic and everything like that, but she's uh, sort of the voice of common sense and reason. Sometimes I'll come out into the foyer and I'll sit on the couch out there and she'll be there and, you know, it'll be quiet maybe to be later in the day or something like that. I'll say, Akima, I'm thinking about this or that. What, what do you think? And invariably she has some uh, wonderful common sense and um, ability to say, well, did you think about this? Did you think about that? And uh, I just find it really refreshing. She has, she has no portfolio as such, um, but it's just her common sense and her kind of um, uh, common wisdom, I'll put it, that I, uh, I appreciate. So, I mean, there are a lot of stories that I um that's the, that's the best portfolio to have is yes. common sense and yes. common wisdom. Right. Someone's got to have it. Right, right. And it's just, you know, being able to get somebody's reaction who's not invested in a particular matter. Right, or not so close to it that they can't right. get a little distance. Right. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, now, how about uh, we talked about people within the four walls. Are there any people uh, that you would mention sort of up-and-comers in local politics, up-and-comers, community leaders, people that you really see as uh, folks to keep an eye on? Well, there there are a couple, actually. Um, Marcus Batchelor, who's currently on the Board of Education. He's yeah, the, he's terrific. Yeah, he's a vice chair. Um, he's young, he's energetic, he's thoughtful. Um, I see in him a, a leader uh, for now, but you know, really developing uh, in the future. There's also a gentleman in my ward, um, uh, Ryan Wegman. He's the executive director of the uh, Woodley Park Main Street. Uh, He is himself uh, a businessman. He's been so creative and successful in trying to think of ways to promote the businesses uh, down there near Woodley Park, especially after the shutdown, and a lot lot of businesses suffered uh, under that. Um, But uh, what I like about... uh, this would be true of Marcus Batchelor and, and Ryan Wegman. 
it's their energy level. You know, the the idea that, you know, they really want to go out there and, and do something, I, I find that thrilling, actually. Um, and, you know, I, I try, I've tried to kind of encourage my own children uh, to have that attitude, you know, just go forth. Uh, and both of those people, uh, I think we're going to hear a lot more from. Yeah, no, it's a, but the physical and the mental energy, I think, are what's critical. And, and just sort of the willingness to try things, mm-hmm. I think, makes right. a difference yeah. that a lot of times that you just need to... Easy for me to say, well, what do you have to lose? You, you just you right. try something and you, yeah. you throw it out right. there and, and people recognize that. And mm-hmm. It's contagious. Yeah. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, now, uh, last last question on on the people theme. Then we're going to go to our closeout round, which okay. which I'm leaving more and more time for because okay. all the council members have loved it so far. Um, it, can you tell us about someone who has touched you emotionally, a constituent? It can be uh, someone from the day, someone who reached out to you, uh, uh, you know, through, as for a constituent service. It can be a happy one, can be a sad one, can be an angry one. Um, can you think of someone who's touched you? Well, yeah, I mean, um, there was a woman, Mary Klein, uh, who had ovarian cancer and was nearing her end at around the same time that I was trying to push through the death with dignity bill. And uh, she had bad days and good days. She gave me and the council her good days. She testified. She was out there. She was really the face of what this law was all about and her desire, really, to be able to have the choice at the end of her life when she had months or weeks to live, uh, to be able to have a doctor's aid uh, in dying. But the fact that she was always there, ready whenever she was physically capable of doing so, and knowing that this fate await, awaited her, uh, and yet she was there uh, to push you know, the legislation, it was really it was inspiring and extraordinarily sad at the same time. Yeah, and that's a real paying it forward to know that yeah. you are taking what little time you have to help right. other people with the little time they have to not have to do what right, they're doing. Right, right. Um, so that that was that was probably the most emotional kind of uh, connection I had to um, a resident. Uh, there are a lot of other connections that you have. I mean, one of the things that I'm always inspired by are, um, you know, children, and I see them, you know, and th- th- these are happier stories, and they're stories at the other end of life, too. Um, you know, I have that uh, healthy schools bill, uh, school gardens and all this other stuff, and um, I-, I visit the schools. And when I see the kids out there, you know, and they're planting things and they're playing with the chickens, and uh, I don't know, I just I just enjoy seeing them um and seeing what we did in real life come come to fruition. So, um, and then you know, uh, with kids, you know, um, I was a soccer coach for a while for my for my own kids, and I didn't really I wasn't a soccer player, but I did it for them. Um, but the whole thing with women's sports uh, has always been something big for me and inspiring to me. Um, when the women, U.S. women won the World Cup in 1999, they had the biggest crowd at uh, this uh, Coliseum in California for the final. And maybe you remember this, I don't know. But that was when Brandy Chastain hit that, uh, you know, um, kick that won the game. 
and then ripped off her shirt. Yeah, yeah, and skidded <laughs> on her knees. Yes, it was. I, I have the, the Time Magazine cover of that. But that event was a culmination of really um, uh, a realization for, for girls about what they could be. And in fact, you know, sometimes people say, well, who's your hero? And I said, well, it's not even necessarily a person. It's a statute. It's Title IX. The idea that women have been, in effect, confined or stereotyped over so many years about what they could do and what they can't do. When I think of an emotional moment, I would think of sometimes taking the my little soccer team out to the field and, you know, I had the station wagon and we'd be getting all this stuff. They would go on their own. And I remember once watching them, they were putting on their uh, their shoes and they were getting ready and they started warming up on their own. And I just thought back to, you know, what a, what a change in the world has happened. Um, girls can be anything and we want them to be anything. But here, they, they didn't have to be uh, invited. They already felt it. They knew that they belonged there. Uh, and that, to me, speaking tears in the eye, that brought a tear to my eye too. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen, it's fairly new as Serena Williams. I think it's actually a Nike commercial not to commercialize it, but that it's right. a beautiful tribute of all the things that have been said about women in sports and the different mm-hmm. ways they react that are inappropriate. And just, it, it's a, you have to see it, but it's a marvelous. I haven't seen it, it actually. You absolutely, I'll show it to you once the show's okay. over. It's, it absolutely will bring it, because I have a daughter. It brings a tear to your eye. I have two daughters, and, um, you know, th- I'm so glad that they inherited a world different from mine. Um, we're not there yet, by the way, in so many ways, uh, pay equity and lots of other things. Uh, and one of the things I teach is equal protection and gender discrimination. Um, so you see it uh, from the past up to, up, up to where we are now. And sports was an area, really, that women were uh, kept out of, pretty much. When I was a kid, I, I would watch my brother go and play, you know, um, uh, baseball, there were no baseball teams for me. I could play better than my brother, but there were no baseball teams for me. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, the opportunity to play sports of itself, you know, to compete, to be involved with a group, uh, and, you know, all that that means. Uh, and this stereotype that, you know, not not for you, little girl, just unacceptable. Yeah, we've come a long way. Yes, Still we have. a long way to go. Yeah. Um, well, with absolutely no transition, we have to get to the closeout round because okay, it's too much fun. No transition. Um, but so basically, what this is again on the theme of people is I'm going to name some crazy tasks, and you need to tell tasks. me tasks, and okay. you need to tell me which of your colleagues you would choose to do that task, and why. And okay. They're totally randomly selected. Everyone has thought this is fun. It's not stressful at all. It's stressful. I promise it's not. Okay. The first one is assembling IKEA furniture. Whoa. You know, crazy instructions, sure. comes um, in a box, takes hours. Certainly not me. That would be an elimination right there. Um, yeah. Who, who would you pick and why? Good grief. Um, I don't know. Are any of them eligible for this one? Um, I, I have no idea. Okay. You can, I, you can, I, I, you can I, pass. I have no idea. Um, who would you like to drive cross country with? The problem with passing is there's just another question behind okay. it. Okay. But, like, could it be nobody? <laughs> it could be nobody. Um, How about nobody? Okay. 
Well, um, none of them across country. That you're talking, you know, that, that's many a, that, hours that's, in the car. That, that's that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, maybe some of these, if you had to pick someone, might be the way to approach them. But you can pass. Um, who would you like to cook up a feast with? To you cooking up and sitting down to a feast. I, I don't like any of these questions, uh, really, because um, maybe I don't know them this way. Uh, who I don't even know who is a good cook. Uh, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the list of tasks in front of you. Pick out one that I can and answer? And you see if you can pick out one that you can answer. Then I'm going to tell you a funny story at the end. Okay. Uh, or while you're reflecting, I'll tell you the funny story. Okay, tell me the funny story. The funny story is one of the tasks is fighting off barbarians. Okay. And I want you to know that the majority of the people I have interviewed have selected you as the person they no. would want to fight off barbarians <laughs> no. with. You have been by far no. the champion of fighting off barbarians. No. Uh, no. no. Um, um, which is no. which I think is awesome. Because I they mean did, it as a compliment. I, I can tell guess. you from the context, uh, they mean it as uh, a compliment. Okay. Um, well, uh, taking kids on a field trip, uh, I think um, uh, Charles Allen would be good at that. Yeah, I think I so. I think he, he would be good at He's, that. Yep, fun-loving. Yeah, and he has children, and I think he would be, uh, you know, he would, uh, if I were taking kids on a field trip, I wouldn't take somebody who would be, like me, act like the kids. So Absolutely. That would be, he, I would pick him for that. Um, yeah, I'd agree with you there. Let's see. Uh, hmm. Filing my taxes. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I guess Jack Evans. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Jack Evans is always working on his uh, sort of taxes or his expenses and all that stuff um, all the time. And so I say to him, Jack, uh, you know, maybe you should put this on like a spreadsheet, something, you know, electronic. <laughs> you know, he said, no, I, I get it very particular and I like to do it. So his, his meticulousness about that, I, I think I'd want him to help me fill out my taxes. Um, Okay. Do you have one more? We're running short on time. Uh, you one, have more, one more. Uh, I don't where know. Where someone leaps to mind. I, I, I really did. This is. This was too hard for me. Um, <laughs> uh, who's Who's a good cook? I wish I had someone to cook up a feast with. Actually, um, give me a hint. Who's been nominated? Um, well, it's, I think I think it was an, Anita Bonds as said she'd oh. like to cook up a feast with you because mm-hmm. she said you had her over for dinner. She fessed up that you were not the one who cooked the food, but she said you had the good sense to have good food available. <laughs> so as a result, yeah. she thought that you guys um, could have a good mm-hmm. feast together. Mm-hmm. Well, I think... Uh, we got to stop we'll, here. Because, we'll just um, leave the listeners in, in suspense. Yes. And you, you can ponder and we'll maybe we'll follow up session. in the next episode. Yeah. Can I take the list home? Uh, you, you, you can. Know, you can. It'll, we'll, we'll, it'll require extensive yes. thought. Actually. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, unfortunately, as we've said, because uh, we've, I take it seriously. If you tell me like I'm driving no, across country, I, I'm literally thinking, well, really? Or, or well, across the whole country? It, it, the thing is, it's a totally different exercise when yeah. you take it home and reflect on it, as opposed yes. to it being like an right. ink blot right. test. Yes. Okay. But no. But it's <laughs> you're absolutely you're free to the, this, the car ride home will be you'll be focused on this now. Okay. But unfortunately, listeners, we're, we're out of time. Um, we'll, we'll get back to you with, with uh, the council members' answers in the next round, maybe. <laughs> um, but thank you uh, again so much, Council Member Che, sure. for, for joining us. Thank you, listeners.
listeners for joining us. Tune in again next time. We're at DC Radio at 96.3 on your HD4 dial or at dcradio.gov. I'm Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. Thank you. Thank you.